listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A king follows. Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I am one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez and you can follow me on Twitter at ayanez underscore five. I've spent, this is my third season covering UH Athletics first as a part of the Daily Cougar now transitioning over to Apollo Media and I'll toss it over to my second host tonight, Justin. Take it away, man. And I'm Justin Barbosa, and be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HLU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95, as I've been a play-by-play announcer for Vite Media in my second season covering high school sports around the Houston area. And Justin, we have a fallout episode, special episode following the University of Houston football team's game against the Navy midshipmen, the conference opener for the 2021 season for UH. And it's quite an interesting game. It turned out to be, obviously, a tale of two, a tale of two halves is what it ended up being, especially uh, for the offense that honestly struggled to, to move the ball. To They didn't put any points up on the board in the first half. Uh, Navy... It caused a lot of problems even for the defense and just that first drive where uh, really the, the the midshipmen were able to drive down the field and the quarterback Xavier Arnine took and gashed the, the defense for like a 40-yard sprint into the end zone that, that put Navy on the board first and they were able to build a 10-point lead at 17-7 and really it once the second half started and UH got the ball first they drove all the way down, got in, into the red zone, only for the drive to stall out. And then the kicker, Dalton Witherspoon, ended up missing the 32-yard field goal. It kind of seemed like nothing was going to go right for UH until, you know, the defense did pat in that second half. They had a three and out, and then the UH offense didn't allow that uh, missed field goal to kind of rattle them or anything. They just followed it up with three straight touchdown drives. Justin, obviously, with the offense that starts with quarterback Clayton Toon, who, after getting pulled in the first quarter against Grambling State due to uh, what Dana Hogerson said was uh, re-aggravating his hamstring injury, he bounced back. Like I said, the first half was shaky, but overall he ended up with 22 of 30 passing. He had 257 passing yards and a touchdown. And the big number, no turnovers, no interceptions, no fumbles. From your perspective, what did you see in this in the game overall? Yeah, the offense really struggled to get going in the first half. Uh, struggled running the ball, and Clayton Toon really wasn't on target. And you could tell during the game, he kind of still struggled that hamstring, kind of pull up limping a little bit after some plays. But uh, I think really the breaking point of the first half, which uh, kind of had the crowd booing at halftime, was uh, Clayton Toon trying to – Go for the first down, but didn't go out of the bounds as the clock ran out. 
when they were in field goal position and uh, kind of heard it from the crowd there, but really bounced back in the second half and made some good passes. And we really saw the run game open up with McCaskill and Henry. I mean, uh, really started to run the ball down the field and found some openings in the line. Just really a big improvement in the second half, but nice bounce back win for the Cougars. And uh was an impressive win over a winless Navy team, but definitely good to start the conference one and know. Yeah, you mentioned it that that to end the first half, just kind of the the string of the comedy of errors. It really it was for the UH offense that they, they just struggled. Whether it was Nathaniel Bell having uncharacteristic wide open drops, or like you mentioned, Clayton Toon, but and then like we do in these fallout episodes, they're gonna have a, play, a clip from Dana Hogerson post game speaking to reporters, uh, and he talked directly about that play from Clayton Toon to end the half, and really it it. At the very least, UH was going to get at least an attempt at a field goal. Instead, the clock ran out. They didn't even get a shot to cut that deficit to 10 or to cut it to one position to seven. They were down 10. And that could have honestly ended up being a against a better team. You mentioned it, what it was, a winless Navy team. If they do that in the future against a, one of the upper echelon teams in the American Athletic Conference, that's certainly going to come back to bite them. And going forward is something that they got to cut, but here we go. Uh, Dana Hogerson speaking on that play to end the first half for UH's offense. Yeah, I thought, thought we were pretty average in the first half, you know, especially that first round they came out. But you got to be ready for anything. We told the guys that all week. You know, it's, you know, they come out, they came out and ran a couple of different things, but you, you got to be able to adjust and stuff like that. We adjusted to it in the second half. I thought they played well. The whole team was, was motivated and went out and played a lot better in the second half, you know. So why why were we why I don't know, maybe Navy had something to do with that. They had two weeks to prepare. They coach hard. They're, it's a winning program. It means a lot to them. I was happy with the way we, 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 we played on all three sides in the second half. Yeah, that was Houston head coach Dana Hogerson talking about the overall flow of the game and not not specifically that play, but you know and I get from that comment, I think one thing that was interesting that Hogerson said was, you know, he kind of expected this from Navy just in terms of, yeah, they were winless. They were coming off a of bye week. And he said that it, they did something similar a season ago and they started off 0-2 and then ended up winning three straight conference games to to be 3-2 before Houston ended up playing them. And, and Houston was able to beat them last season, uh, honestly, quite more handily, unlike it was this game last year in Annapolis, but, you know, when it, when it comes to Navy and the triple option offense, they're always going to be a physical team. And I mean, quite frankly, uh, I made it this, I told this to one of the other uh, reporters that was at the press box. I mean, it must, it must be, I mean, it must suck to be a receiver for Navy, to be quite honest. You're not going out there and getting a lot of catches. Honestly, there are a lot more blockers, but that's just the way that Navy is. They're just going to run it down your throat. It doesn't matter what, if they've been able to, they could go three and out for several plays and they're still going to keep doing the same thing. Um, Justin, from those, those clips, Dana Hogerson said, what are your thoughts off of that? Yeah, definitely in the first half, Navy had some really good runs, scoring 17 points in the first half. And uh, yeah, this has just been a thing for Navy ever since, you know, Kenny Matalolo was a head coach. I mean, saw it in 2015 when, Navy had Keenan Reynolds breaking records on the run with that triple option and uh, making it to the 
American Championship game the next year in 2016. I mean, doesn't matter if they're having a winning or bad season, they're going to run it down your throat with the triple option. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, like we mentioned it, um, obviously with the quarterback for Navy this, this season, um, not as good of a Navy team as in years past, especially uh, in 2019 when they had Malcolm Perry, where they were ranked and they were honestly, that's when the, this offense was really a juggernaut because there was the threat of passing down the field was there against Houston. I mean, honestly, there were, there were times, especially when once it was, if it was third and longer, in fourth long as they had in the, the last drive of the game for Navy. It really, it never felt like Houston was in danger. I know they gave up a couple of big passes, which would happen once you focus too much on the run game. But for the most part, Houston did a really good job of making them one dimensional, which, you know, I guess against Navy is something that they kind of end up doing on their own anyways, but really not giving up. And again, in the second half, just kind of buckling down and only allowing three points and, um, they were able to pay, force a turnover. That's now in all four games to open the season for Houston. They forced at least one turnover, which completely changed the story from a season ago. But going back to the offense, one of the other things I wanted to touch on before we kind of segue into our second segment, the running backs, the production from the running backs, freshman Alton McCaskill Keith continues to kind of honestly, he's, from my perspective, from a lot of people's perspectives, he's kind of taking that lead role as the number one running back for this team as a freshman, which is really impressive. He, once again, led the team in carries with 17, and he led the team in rushing with 74 yards. But the big help in what Dana Hogerson said was a spark for this offense. It's Tejon Henry, who he, he was second on the team in rushing. He had uh, just over 50 rushing yards, but he scored two touchdowns, and he was really a good complement to kind of a – kind of that double threat that UH had in the backfield coming off the – they call it the thunder and lightning kind of combo, for lack of a better word. I know it's kind of been overused and cliched, especially uh, with teams that have dual two running backs that can do damage. But that was certainly the case for UH today against Navy. Yeah, I was really impressed with that second half between McCaskill and Henry. I mean, they really carved through that Navy defense and pick up some positive yardage and uh, – you know, just able to get enough yards to within two plays to get the first down. I mean, really nice to see, you know, some consistency consistency in the offense. But, uh, you know, really haven't seen it really all season, maybe except, you know, for the Rice game in the second half. But uh, definitely good to see a little bit uh, production on the run game. But, you know, hopefully down the line we're going to need, you know, offensive production in the both in both halves. For sure, and that, that's going to do it for our first segment. It's coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma. We'll talk a little bit more about that defense's turnaround specifically, and we'll play have more player reaction following UH's comeback win against Navy, improving to three and one on the season, opening conference play with a win, one and zero against the American Athletic Conference. Justin, before we head out, I'll leave you with this stat going into the break. UH has won three straight games for the first time since 2018. That was the first time since 2018 winning three straight. And they'll look to continue off a short week against Tulsa. But stay right there. We'll have more player reaction and clips from Dana Holmerson coming right up on Pod Slamajama, your home for UH Athletics. 
Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And welcome back to Pod Slamma Jamma, presented by Apollo Houston. And getting right back into it is Marcus Jones talking about the Cougars' mindset going into the second half. Was that sort of mood at, at halftime? Uh, it was one of those situations to where, I mean, we've definitely been behind before, you know what I mean? So it was one of those situations to we got to talk to ourselves and, you know, come in the brotherhood and basically come together and just calm down, you know, breathe. And it's 30, it's 30 more minutes in the second half that we got to play. So, you know, you got to take advantage of that because, I mean, we was down 17-7 and it's one of those situations to never get too low because no matter, like, what, what the score is or what time it is, you got to finish. And that's what we did today. That was senior Marcus Jones. Um, on the depth chart, he's listed as a cornerback slash running back. But honestly, he's done uh, everything for this UH team for early on in the season. He honestly hasn't played as much defense. And Dana Hogerson said that this week he had been – he hadn't practiced the first – couple days in the week just in terms of because he had a hamstring injury that had kind of limited him he said against navy and against the past few games uh hasn't really needed him to cover and play corner he said he expects that to change going forward especially next friday against tulsa once again the, the quick turnaround but marcus jones he had probably his arguably you could say his best game of his career, his collegiate career, but certainly the best of the season. Not only did he have that punt return touchdown, which his second straight week having a punt return touchdown, it's just absurd when you think about it, how how usually how rare it is to on those special team scores and how Jones doing it on back-to-back weeks. But then also scoring on a deep shot in the second half that, that ended up being the go-ahead touchdown. For UH, a lead that they would never relinquish or put them up 21, 20 to 17 after before the PAT against Navy, but certainly a big game from Jones. Justin, what did you see from Marcus Jones? And on, on special teams, it was just the usual Marcus Jones, just explosive and fast, got through past the Navy defenders, scored that touchdown, really the only score of the first half of the Cougars as they didn't score nothing on offense. But uh, yeah, that second half, that deep shot from Clayton Toon and Got Marcus Jones on the run to get into the end zone. That was that was the biggest play of the game right there, and I'm sure that's really what propelled the momentum for the Cougars. Yeah, you mentioned that play, and that's an interesting one because that's that's a specific play that not only Dana Homerson mentioned, but Marcus Jones and kind of uh, Henry also brought up in terms of. I mean, that's that's the good side of playing tune, and kind of going back to the old folklore. There's two. There's two playing tunes. There's a good. And the bad, and we, we saw a bit of the bad at the end of the first half, which that's a mental mistake that you can't do. And honestly, he said that he he kind of felt like he had tweaked his hamstring on that run and kind of forced him to slide down. But that's that's awareness. That's something that you can't happen, like I mentioned earlier. That's don't accept in victory what you wouldn't accept in defeat is the old saying that that's something UH has to polish up. But when you're talking about that play that he had on the touchdown to Marcus Jones, this is the good of Clayton Toon because he stood there in the pocket. Navy's best linebacker was coming right to him. He took the contact. He hit Marcus Jones and found them wide open down the field. And he, he was able to walk in for the touchdown. 
Justin, like you mentioned, those plays like that, and that that's kind of what, what Quentin Tune is kind of frustrating because he shows those flashes of how accurate, how good he can be in that play. That's the good Quentin Tune, and that's something that his teammates have rallied around. And I wanted to go back to what what something that Henry said post game. He said, and I, along these lines, he called Quentin Tune. Obviously, he's, he's the team's QB one. But he said the team believes in Clayton Toon. And more importantly, he followed up. He said, I believe in Clayton Toon. That's what Tejon Henry said. And, you know, I asked Clayton Toon after the game about that. I told him that statement, what Tejon Henry said. And if that's something that kind of helps kind of add an extra layer of motivation and Toon kind of, of course, of course, he agreed. But he said, you know, that's really the only kind of comments, the only opinions he cares about are the ones that his teammates have to say about him, which, you know, it's kind of cliche and that's something that you'll expect to hear from athletes. But I think in this case, it's something that speaking from Toon's perspective, I'm pretty sure it means a lot to him, especially since that, that season opener against Texas Tech and Justin, I'm sure you've, you've seen it. We've all seen it. Just really that criticism that honestly, any, any time there's a mistake, they're, they're coming for Toon's hand. They want, they want a substitute change. But that that play right there, I think that epitomizes why really a lot of his teammates kind of rally around him. Yeah, and we saw the similar dialogue after the Rice game. Uh, saw a lot of comments from his teammates that they believe in him and just really a big confidence boost for Clayton. And uh, yeah, we we saw that Texas Tech game. I mean, it was a really nice really nice start up twenty one to seven, and then just a complete meltdown in the second half, and saw. The interception, some tune, throwing it into double or triple coverage, just, you know, making really bad IQ plays down the field and, you know, just got to make the simple plays and let the game come to you. And, uh, you know, that's what's best to succeed. But, yeah, just completely similar situation with Rice. You saw the comments from his teammates saying they believe in him. He's QB1 and really has shown it really in that game and then going into this game in the second half, you know, really to propel the win for the Cougars. And that's going to segue us into the second clip that we have. This is Clayton Toon talking about just how big this win was. Obviously, you always want to win your conference games. Conference games are the most important ones. But here's Clayton Toon talking about just the comeback and how big that will be going forward. This is Houston quarterback Clayton Toon. I thought it was great. Um, it just kind of shows you the character uh, you know, of the team. And I thought, you know, we did a great job bouncing back. And I think it's – we proved something to ourselves. I mean, it's something we knew about ourselves, but I think it's good to, like, go out and do it and see, you know, the fruits of our labor. So I think it was huge for the team. Once again, that was quarterback Clayton Toon talking about uh, – really just how big this game was to kind of the momentum factor. Like I mentioned before, we segue into the second segment, segment, just in terms of this is something that UH hasn't done since the 2018 season. Honestly, when you look at the roster, there's probably a lot of players weren't probably weren't a part of that team. Uh, when they the last time they went on an extended winning streak, I guess a winning streak of any kind, because just last week they had, it had been the first time they had won back-to-back games under Dana Holgerson. So it's certainly been a struggle these past couple of seasons. And, you know, when, when it comes to Grambling and Rice, you know, a lot of people will say, of course, the level of competition is a lot lower than, you know, now that they're kind of turning the page and raising the, the bars. But at the end of the day, 
UHS, these are games they have to win, especially one since the big announcement that everyone's been excited about moving to the Big 12. This is where you got to start somewhere and you can't be losing games to teams that you should be beating. Now, of course, there's a lot that still needs to be polished up from this game. But I think this is a good step in the right direction. And just going back to Clayton Toon, it's the the ups and the downs with him. But when he is up, he has flashes where they're really good. And you saw a lot of it today against Navy. Yeah, most definitely. He was making uh, simple plays and really putting the passes where his receivers can can succeed. And I think one of the biggest things was uh, he he looked more confident in the second half because after that first half, I mean, I'm sure it was tough getting those boos, but had his teammates rally around him getting into the second half and saw the big throw to Marcus Jones and completing passes and then Having the having the run game back it up. I mean, playing had to feel good after the game, and hopefully going forward into the season, as more of the conference play continues. Yeah, you mentioned that. So just uh, them heading into the locker room at halftime, the emotions were high. I believe I saw something on Twitter. A fan posted that he's according to this fan, and and let me see if I can uh, uh find it real quick. I don't want to misquote or or do anything. Um, or mistakes. According to at Coog RN and, and at I guess Coog RN is his uh his name on Twitter. His at is at Brian Turnquist on Twitter. He said some UH fan got in Dana Fogerson's head for halftime. I'm not sure what was yelled at, but he turned around and started yelling back at the fans. Um that's Coog, that's at Brian Turnquist on Twitter which is, it's interesting, especially when it comes to Houston sports, you think back to what happened, uh, I believe it was the 2019 season uh, with the Texans and Bill O'Brien having a, a similar incident. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show how, really, I, I feel like this team kind of, and it's something that they acknowledge heading into training camp, that this was a year, this was kind of a proving year where they had to start showing results and Honestly, just getting wins on the field, especially with the schedule that they had, where it ranked among the the lowest when it comes to strength of schedule from previous season, and all of FBS of all FBS teams, they literally are one of the the lowest strength of schedule schedules that they have. And so far, outside of the disappointing game against Texas Tech, where they were up twenty one seven. And really could not muster anything up in the second half against the Red Raiders. It was kind of a little bit of a mirror performance where it was the complete opposite against Navy. But man, when when you see that, what do you think, Justin? I feel like that's that kind of shows how how there's there's tension. They can feel a little bit that the seat's kind of warm. Uh, at least in my opinion, because whenever you're whenever you're calm, whenever you're you feel comfortable, you don't tend to kind of lash out. Or am I reading too much into it? What, what say you, Justin? I mean, I remember our earlier podcast before the season. I mean, we've all talked about it. this is a big year for Dana Hogerson. I mean, really, no shows the last couple of years. I know we blamed last year on COVID, and year one was all the red shirting after the major Appleite regime how he didn't redshirt his players trying to build a program. But this is really the year Hokerson really needed to see results. And 
it was just really a backbreaker that Texas Tech game. They, they, they should have won that game. I mean, if they had just an ounce of offense in the second half, they probably would have won at least by at least a couple touchdowns because the defense was fine that game. I mean, really can't blame them that second half because when the offense gives you nothing, you got to keep going back onto the field on defense. I mean, defense is going to get gas and show that at the end of that Texas Tech game. But, you know, great bounce back against Rice, 44-7. to And then, uh, of course, you know, the easy giveaway with Grambling, even though it showed a little uh, bit of problems in that first quarter, playing tune, going out of the game, throwing a pick, and uh, get, you know, Ike in there. And then uh, great showing uh, this game in the second half, really to bounce back. And, yeah, that confrontation probably uh, ignited the spark. You know, Clay Tune here in the booze. I mean, that whole team just had to rally together. I mean, they need to show something, and they got the win. And like I said earlier, it wasn't impressive, but it's a win to start conference play. And, uh, you know, it's going to get tougher a little bit down the road. I mean, SMU and Memphis look like a big problem right now as SMU defeated TCU in a big win. And then Memphis last week uh, beat Mississippi State. I mean, those are two programs looking really good right now. Yeah, coming right up on Pod Slammer Jamo, we'll touch a little bit more about what Justin just said in terms of you know, going down the road, looking down the schedule. You, I mentioned it earlier, you can't, don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't ignore in defeat because, of course, they beat maybe their one and own conference. That's all good, but there's a lot of stuff they can polish up. So look forward, especially on the short week where UH is honestly about to enter a tough stretch bring right up on pod slime jamma your home for uh athletics looking for a better way to rep h-town be sure to check out apollohou.com for astros and rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else use promo code launch for 10 percent off at checkout apollo hou all houston all original and welcome back as we're going to talk about the cougars and what we're going to look for looking forward into the season despite the win against Navy. For sure, Justin, I wanted to touch on one of those points you made in the, to close out the last segment. Uh, and when it came to that game against Texas Tech, where, you know, you mentioned the defense and they, they put up a, a really good performance against the Red Raiders for much of the game until kind of the fourth quarter. That's really when they let go of the rope and the score and it'll be a lot more lopsided than it actually was for much of that game. The defense was, I mean, they kept UH within a field goal and it goes from zero production from the offense in that second half. And you kind of saw a little bit of that again in the first half against Navy where the UH offense couldn't move the ball. They couldn't score. They couldn't get a scoring drive going. And it started to take a toll a little bit on the defense too, where the midshipmen were able to go on a couple of long drives and, and score off on this part of field goal and a touchdown to able to build up that 10-point lead and you kind of saw uh, the defense kind of wearing down, but that's kind of, that's an issue when the offense goes on these long droughts that and that's something that they have to polish up going forward and just before I let you um, kind of give your perspective, I, I did mention just how how um, th- this team is starting to enter a tough stretch in the schedule. They played that we're recording this on the 25th with their game against Navy. They play Tulsa October 1st. So just right there, that's a quick turnaround. That's a, ooh, that's a six game turnaround 
Then they're going to play Tulane October 7th. That's three games in the span of 12 days. That's absurd. From September 25th to October 7th, UH played. They just played on the 25th. They play again, the first, and then they close out again, Tulane, the seventh. That That's a brutal stretch, man. That And that's something that when you come to those mental errors, those lapses, they're going to be a lot more uh, important to cut, to really try to trim them as many as possible, especially once they get to the Tulane game. We saw what they were able to do up in Norman against Oklahoma, and they were able to put up a good fight. Now, obviously, that's kind of seemed to, to kind of the significance of it has kind of seemed to have gone down just with how Oklahoma has played throughout the season, but that's still an impressive showing anytime you have to open the season to Norman. Believe me, UH knows from experience a couple of seasons ago when they had to open up there under Dana Hogerson's first year, but yeah, Justin, what did what did you see from your perspective that this team can polish up in the coming weeks as they enter this brutal stretch? I mean, really, what's been a problem since uh, year one under Hogerson? I mean, playing two consecutive halves of just consistent offense. I mean, we haven't seen it really, maybe only like one game in that game last year against USF where they had a huge lead and dropped 56 points in the game, but we really have not seen that much really too often. I mean, we just need two consecutive halves of just consistent football. I mean, even if it's just like average one half and really good another half, I mean, that's really the credit for a winning formula because the de- the defense has really improved this season. We, we've seen that. I mean, that front line is really stopping the run and uh, the coverage has been pretty decent, but uh, – yeah, you mentioned Tulsa. I mean, they're 0-3, but they are a tough 0-3. They actually gave Ohio State fits last week, and, you know, they had that bad loss against the FCS team to start the season. But, yeah, Tulsa, it, it, they're going to be a tough, tough out for sure. I mean, and they also gave Oklahoma State everything they had. I mean, Tulsa is probably, <laughs> probably one of the best 0-3 teams in the nation, I have to say. And then uh, Tulane, I mean, gave Oklahoma – all they had. And then Tulane's definitely had a tough stretch. Uh, Lost last week to Ole Miss, 61 to 21. And then uh, to UAB this afternoon, 28 to 21. After, you know, having, giving Oklahoma all they had in week one. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think Tulane's going to be much better once conference play starts. But, yeah, Tulane and Tulsa, that's going to be really tough these next couple weeks. And, Going against that zero and three Tulsa team, I mean, I yeah, I said it again. I'll say it again: the best zero and three team in the nation right now. Yeah, for sure. That's something that Dana Holmesson mentioned, and and when you add on top of that, that's still, that seems that seems absurd, especially when you look at a football schedule. A team having to play three games in twelve days. By the time they get to two lane and. Just going off of last season, the Green Wave were able to give Houston a lot of fits. No, no pun intended with their head coach, and and um, <laughs> I don't mean to be punny, but I mean they they got up twenty four nothing against Houston last season. Albeit that was different circumstances after Houston had had like the first month of its season postponed or get canceled. But that, this it'll be in Tulane. Tulane should by this point on their campus and so it's going to be a, another tough uh, outing for Houston and 
And like you mentioned, Justin, conference games, everything gets around. You saw you saw tonight against Navy. They were winless coming into the game, but they put up a lot of problems. And something that got brought up, I believe it was day on the set in a podcast previously, where now that UH is, I guess, they're officially going to be joining the Big 12, you're going to have a lot of these American Athletic Conference schools kind of, it'll, it'll give another target on the back of Houston where, especially when you, you mentioned Memphis and what the big win they had against Mississippi state and even SMU who, I mean, they're a Texas school. They could, they could feel like they should have been invited to the big 12 as well with their quarterback and Tanner Mordecai. They're going to be a tough outing and commission. They're probably going to be looking to make statements against Houston, especially when it comes to football where, they might be looking to prove a point and maybe they're trying to get an invite to a power five school. But Justin, real quickly, before we wrap it up, the biggest takeaway that you had from this game, um, I'll, I'll go first. And I just got to go back to the comments by Tazon Henry and how kind of, I wouldn't say firm, but how strong they were. But they they asked him what his thoughts on Clayton Toon were and he real Immediately, he said, he's our QB1, and the team believes in him. I believe in him. That just really stood out to me, and I know there's there's a lot of people, a good portion, it kind of goes hand-in-hand with the Hogerson. Um, not to sound like I'm uh, you know, defending or anything, but there's a lot of Hogerson slander and a lot of tune slander, but just hearing the, the running back say it and so emphatically say it like that, that stuck out. That stood out to me, and it kind of shows that the team believes in him a little bit, or a lot, to be honest. But Justin, what was your key takeaway from this game against Navy? Yeah, definitely just the team rallying together in the second half. I mean, they just could have laid down after that missed field goal by Witherspoon. I mean, that could have been really a bad yeah. backbreaker and really given Navy all the momentum, carving down the field on the defense, but just a great response to really bounce back into this game and really take command in the second half, even though Navy made it look close with the 28, 20 final, but really Houston had all the momentum towards the end of the game with a 28, 17 lead for, you know, Navy scored that field goal with, a, with under five minutes left, but U of A was able to maintain moment, momentum and uh, drive the ball down the field and run out the clock. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even mentioning Navy got a chance late to, try to make one last um, get one drive down to to potentially tie the game and Houston's defense had none of that that didn't off the sack that um, one of the defensive linemen had and his name is slipping me real quickly um, but Houston forced them into a third and 18 and and uh, they forced them into a fourth and 18. And really, Navy had no shot. It never really even seemed like they were going to be a threat to to score on that last drive. And then Houston was able to, to kneel out the clock in, in the victory formation. But for sure, uh, a big win. Obviously, you know, we mentioned uh, Navy coming into the game had, had struggled, but they were coming off a bye. And they, they honestly, they always play Houston tough. So much better to win than to lose. And like you mentioned, rally around when, especially after Dalton Wispin missed that field goal. Honestly, that could have easily been uh, 
the point of the game where it unraveled, but the defense stood firm. They forced a three and out, and Houston's offense didn't skip a beat. They marched down the field again, and this time were able to find the end zone. But that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening. And like Justin said, please be sure to follow at Apollo HOU slash Cougars. I have a uh, post-game reaction uh, article kind of recapping a little bit of the game. It includes more uh, player and, and uh, reaction from Dana Horwison following the game. Listening to our podcast, we greatly appreciate that. As always, thank you so much. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slam and Jamma. I mean, Justin, I'll just throw this out there. It's almost basketball season two. Men's basketball team starts practice next Friday, October 1st. So we're getting into the, the good time of year. But as always, we appreciate you listening. Stay tuned. Pod Slam and Jamma, covering your University of Houston Cougars.